This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are glad that you're here with us today. We got Jeremy, Jeremiah, and Daniel. As always, I'm Jeff Mitchell. This is the Frogcast. It's not every day that we get to celebrate a win over Texas, although it's actually kind of been every day since 2014. The Frogs beat the Texas Longhorns 24-7 to under the lights in Eamon Carter. We had a big crowd. We had some energetic recruits on campus. We had a great atmosphere there under the lights in Eamon Carter. The Frogs moved to 8-1. We continue our streak of uh, blowing out Texas by double digits to four straight years. I don't know that it really gets any better than that. Uh, these are kind of the golden years, so I hope you all are enjoying it. Jeremy, I know that you were there for the game. We had a lot of recruits that were there to see it. We had a lot of energy and a lot of media there to cover the game. What's your first reaction after seeing the Frogs uh, blow out the Longhorns 24-7 to uh, for Saturday night? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty satisfied with it. I was one of those guys that thought it was going to be a close game. Um, I, I was joking around with Jeremiah in the press box when uh, TCU went down and scored pretty early, and then they went up 10 nothing and 17 nothing. I, I looked at him and said, man, Jeff might be right with his predictions. I mean, he was guessing 44-10, to 10 and we're all calling him a homer and everything. But I was, I was thinking, you know what, this, this, is, uh, this is pretty ironic because this is turning into a game that it's, it's been like in the past. And I think it kind of settled some doubts for some of the fans um, for TCU to go out and win the way they did. We all know Texas struggles on offense. Their offensive line is horrible. Tristan Nicholson, I, no offense. I mean, I think the only reason he's playing college football is because he's 6'9", and however much he weighs. The kid didn't play varsity till he was a senior in high school. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the same uh, boat with Texas fans about why he's even out there in the first place. But – Defense does another great job. I think this defense is probably one of the best defenses I've ever seen them have in, in as many years as we've covered them. I mean, they just fly to the ball. They're 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 playing smart football right now. A defensive line is just man, they're so good right now. And the atmosphere was great. It was a great night game. A lot of recruits there. Uh, just a just a cool scene overall. And for uh, Tishu to go out and get another dominating win, it was it was pretty big for them. I mean, four wins in a row. They're they're winning each one of these games by an average of 30 points. So, hey, there's some more bulletin board material, uh, some some more uh, material Coach Patterson can use to go negative recruit oh, all those uh, a, Texas targets. That's what I was going to say. Don't you don't you mention the score. That's negative recruiting. I don't want that brought up at yeah. all anymore on my podcast. You understand me? Yeah, I mean, negative recruiting playing time. It, you know, play, Negative recruiting is playing time and the scores. I mean, I mean golly, don't know what to say. Don't bring that kind of stuff up, Snowflake. I never bring. I never talked that way. I just thought it was fun to say. <laughs> All right, let's flip gears here. Jeremiah, what was your reaction to the to the game uh, watching the frogs beat the Longhorns? I think it. I think it played out exactly like we thought it would. Um, you know, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I feel bad for Texas's defense, but I am saying Texas has a championship caliber defense, in my opinion. But you're looking at a, a an offense that just can't get out of its own way. So uh, with that. You know, with that type of combination, they're not going to be able to do anything until they get that squared away. Um, you know, uh, the defense is going to get worn out because they can't just keep going out there and the offense not doing anything. So overall, I thought TCU did 
uh, what they needed to do coming off of a, a, t- a tough road loss last week in Iowa State to come back home in front of a big crowd. Uh, they needed this win, and they were very impressive in doing so, giving up just seven points. They've now given up 82 total points in six Big 12 games. That's unreal. I mean, this is the most explosive conference in the country, and TCU's playing defense like this. What, what are they going to do against a real one-dimensional offense, you know, in a bowl game or a possible playoff scenario? It'll be That's as many points as we scored against Tech in 14. That's insane. <laughs> that's completely insane. <laughs> I so, just had to say that. No, it's a great, great point. But, I, you know, I, I think TCU's doing what they need to do. They, they, they got in. They got the win. They weren't trying to score a ton of points, and I, I honestly believe that. I believe they were just trying to run the clock. Get in, get out of there with a win, and get ready for Oklahoma. Um, Texas never really was a threat to them in that game, and TCU was able to just kind of do what they wanted to do. But man, I'm just so impressed with that defense right now. You know, I was impressed with the Texas defense, and man, I was impressed with the TCU defense. I mean, other than two deep passes, and why they never went back to that again is beyond me. Maybe they just didn't have the time to do it. Our defense just absolutely shut them down. They didn't even get the equivalent of a first down rushing. They got was it nine yards that they held Texas to rushing? That that is that is insane. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score right here. Nine, yeah, 26 carries for nine yards. That that is. that is borderline ridiculous. One of the great stats that I saw uh, David Ubbin tweeted out that says TCU has given up 27 points in its last four games. Oklahoma gave up 20, 28 points in the second quarter yesterday in Bedlam. So the defense is, uh-huh. is locked and loaded, and, and they, are, they are doing everything that is asked of them and more. Daniel, on the field as well as in game day atmosphere, I know you and I are kind of always uh, measuring that. What was your take of the game against the, against the Longhorns? Oh, it was great. Um, uh, but uh, like always, there's far too many uh, of the orange there for my taste, um, which, of course, starts at one. But anyway, uh, there <laughs> it was a great crowd. Lot, tons of people. We were loud. It was rowdy. Um, the, you know, at night, it's just so much, so much better. Such a different atmosphere. Um, those cool ribbon boards they installed actually, you know, show up at night. Uh, you can't see them during the day. It was, uh, it was, it was awesome. I, 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 it's everything I could have asked for as far as beating them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it was, uh, phenomenal. So I don't really know how you know, a better way to put it. You know, you mentioned that about the night game. We've had three night games this season. This just crossed my mind and then had a couple of, uh, Two 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 thirty games. We're only going to have one eleven o'clock game, and that's on Black Friday. So the schedule has really shaken out well for us to get half your games at home under the lights is a great way to do it. And um, man, I, I think we've had a have pre, pretty pretty prime coverage, and it's going to continue this week with the big game on Fox against Oklahoma, which we'll get hey, to Jeff, in a second. That, 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 game, that is, game over there ahead, was boss. the sixth largest in uh, Amon G. Carter Stadium history. Was it the sixth? I didn't. I knew it was top ten. I didn't know where it finally leveled out at. I hadn't seen what Cohen posted. I think it that's was a eight. great. I thought it was eighth as well. Either way, it was a top ten, top ten attendance of Four, all time. Forty-eight thousand forty-two is what I what I saw. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to see that we had a lot of people there. I know that tr- Texas brings some fans, but so be it. You know, they got to watch them get beat. I'll I'll take their money and uh, watch them continue to get beat by double digits and four. Hey, can work. we I'm ask, just fine with that? I, I gotta ask Daniel. Yeah, I felt the same. Think of the snake, man. 
<laughs> We're not going to get out of this <laughs> this podcast sure without talking about was. the snake, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, last year they did some kind of similar performance where they did Thriller, but that was like right before Halloween, and so this year we weren't home at home before Halloween. So I thought they were trying to do something like that. I don't know what that was. Why is the guy on stilts? What is this, a magic show? Is it a burlesque show? I don't what know what it was. We were, we were discussing it up in the press box. And I still don't trying know. Trying to figure it out. We were all enamored by the snake. I told Jeremy, it looked like it looked like the Illuminati had taken over the, uh, <laughs> that's the for, college football That's for another program. podcast, JB. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that in the I read about uh, that in the Daniel Brown man. book, so I'll uh, keep an eye on that. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, this turned into Infowars. Let's uh, keep moving here, fellas. Uh, I did want to. I did want to say. I I thought what you said, Jeremy, when we when we just kind of came blowing out of the gates. I thought, oh my gosh, we actually are going to score thirty five, forty points because I, you know, I predicted that we were going to win by thirty four. Uh, I, I do not have any beefs with the game plan. I like that we got the lead, that we sat on it, that we ran out the clock, and we just kind of beat them into submission. I, I wish we would have scored that Darius Anderson touchdown in the middle of the third rather than the middle of the fourth. But, my gosh, what a what a performance all the way around. Anytime you can win a game like that, bleed out the clock, get a double-digit win against Texas, and then move on with, with hopefully no, no serious injuries, that's a good day. That is a good day. Something I forgot to mention, my absolute favorite part of the entire game was after that Darius Anderson touchdown in the fourth is watching all those orange shirts slide towards the aisles and filing down the stairs. It was just like, it was beautiful. Oh, man, that's that's like a church slipping out before the offering, man. They were ready to roll, man. They were getting out that door. I remember I did see that section of theirs just like emptying out. It was a parade of orange. Um, yeah, they, it felt like the Cotton Bowl in the middle of the third quarter back when Bob Stoops and Matt Ground were playing. Oh, that was a good one. Well, let's flip over here to kind of look at each position and grade some of our units. I know that we've um, we've been really high as well as had some critical comments at times about different units on this team, both sides of the ball. So let's just kind of go around the horn here. Uh, Jeremiah, defensive line, when you look at this game, how would you grade us? I'm going to go with an A. Um, seven sacks. Uh, constant pressure all night that, you know, uh, Bouchelle never got comfortable. I mean, there's a little asterisk by that. That is probably the worst offensive line in the big 12 right now. Um, but still, but still TCU took care of business. So give me an a on that. I was very impressed. Uh, like I said, seven sacks, Banigou and Boson continue to be just a killer pass rush duo. And, uh, Blacklock got him a sack and, you know, Bradley got a sack. I mean, it was, like Oprah, ever you get a sack, you get a sack. Every, everybody got a sack, so it was great. <laughs> I, I was I was really impressed with the way that the defensive line came came out and played. Banigou had two in a row. Yeah, those are big yeah. ones too. Yeah, I mean, they, were, was, they were kind of driving, driving. They were kind of driving at that point. Yeah, Texas was down to the thirty and uh, TCU thirty yard line, and then back to back sacks. They lost like twenty plus yards. Yeah, a couple of people had commented this last week that, you know, not that he'd taken a couple games off, but he hadn't had the impact that he'd had earlier in the season, especially that Oklahoma State game. Uh, my gosh, he reintroduced himself. So what a, what a perfect time to begin to peak again for Banigou. I was glad to see that. I'm going to agree with you on the A, Jeremiah. Let's go to the other side of the ball. JC, offensive line. I'd love to hear your honest assessment of how they did. Oh, you know, I'm going to – I'm not going to give him an A, but I'll give him a solid B. Um, 
they they did a pretty good job overall protecting Kenny. I know they gave up a, a couple sacks, and Kenny had to ex- escape the pocket a couple times, which he probably did the best running he's done all year, uh, getting out of the pocket and running for some yards. But um, the running lanes, I think I think it was kind of hit or miss. I think uh, overall, I mean the the stats are going to show that they had a great a great day running the football and. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of agree with that, but some of the penalties still, the, the false starts, the, the holds, um, we, you got to get past them. So I'm going to give them a solid B, maybe a B plus because they did a great job against arguably the second best defensive line in the big 12 other than TCU. I mean, that, that defense is a solid defense, um, from top to bottom on Texas's team. So, uh, for them to get, the rushing yards they got and, you know, allowing Kenny to move around a little bit. I'll give them a B, B, B between B, B and B plus solid though. Solid. I'm going to go with uh, between a B and a B minus. I think we got stuck down at the goal line again. We kicked that field goal earlier in the game when that should have been. Oh a yeah. That's the one. I that's, felt the like one. We, that's, that's what I was trying yeah, to remember. That, yeah, because that would have made a fourteen nothing, and I, I know it's just uh, four points, but man, you get up fourteen nothing in that first quarter, that that changes the trajectory of some things, and um, that, I was a little disappointed in that. But not, you know, not to nag on them, not to call anybody out, but I wish we could have got that touchdown down there at the goal line, and we weren't able to, but we bounced back, and I thought the offensive line did a did a did a pretty good job. I'll give them, I'll give them, I'll cut split the difference with. Hey, quick point about that, Jeremiah mentioned something in the press box. What did you say in the press box, Jeremiah, when they ran those plays? Do you remember? I said, yeah, I do. I, I said, you know, well, there you go. We were pretty harsh on them last week about getting inside the five-yard line and not just using your hosses to run up the middle. I said, maybe Sonny knows something we don't know. And he that's why they don't do that, because you saw what happened. Three, they got stuffed multiple times, couldn't get one yard. So, I mean, I know Kyle scored on that opening drive on that same type of play. But, I mean, golly, man, with the size that you got on that line, you have to be able to get that yard. So, you know, it's easy to sit up here and, and – you know, criticize from the sideline, but obviously that staff knows what they've got and they know what their strengths are. So um, I was happy to see them try it, though. I mean, at least they gave it an effort and they showed the fans what they could or could not do. Yeah, I will. The only thing I'll, I'll disagree with you about is where you said Sonny knows stuff that we don't. I mean, I, I'm not going to uh, defend myself, but I, I know a ton about this. So, no, I did like when we got in the we got Kenny under the center. We got Shewu in the eye back and we still couldn't even punch it in. So I, I think I literally said at some point, why don't we just put the quarterback under the center and run the dang ball? And that didn't quite work either. So just a growing edge. Hopefully uh, Patrick Morris will be able to help with that next week. We'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with uh, effective but growing edges for our offensive line. Let's go with uh, the least talked about uh, topic of this entire football season, uh, Kenny Hill. Daniel, Kenny, how, how would you grade out Kenny for this game? Aware of the fact that he did what was asked of him. We didn't ask him to go put 55 points on the board. But what's your assessment, and how would you grade Kenny Hill after the game against Texas? Um, I I, I got to give him an A, I, I guess. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't remember anything just absolutely atrocious. You know, made a few excellent, uh, you know, scrambling runs, a uh, few good darts when needed to. And then otherwise just handed off the ball. And, um, you know, we did exactly what we needed to do to get the job done. Um, 
so nothing wild and crazy he uh if he was pressured he would either just fall down or if he could he'd throw it away um you know nothing to uh like last week to get in our platoon fumbles or, or something <clears throat> something like that so I thought it was perfectly fine. I mean, he's, that wasn't any type of Heisman performance, but it was um, solid, and he didn't beat him, beat himself or uh, help the team beat themselves like last week. 18 to 26, 146 yards, zero touchdowns, but that's just fine. Zero interceptions. I'm just fine with Kenny Hill not throwing any picks. Good, good, good. All right, let's flip back to the offensive side of the ball. Jeremiah, how would you grade our running backs? And give us give us everybody that touched the ball out of the backfield. How would you grade our running backs in this game? Give us I mean, a I think you've got to give Darius Anderson an A. He went uh, 18 carries for 99 yards, and he put the final nail in the coffin with that ankle-breaking touchdown run um, over – Oh, that Man, was awesome. If you were in this, Daniel, were you still there? I don't know. Uh, when they showed it on the, the replay and the crowd's reaction to that was just, ooh. Yeah. And then they replayed it again and the same crowd reaction. That that kid was looking for a rock to crawl under. So he got completely. You know who was also excited? excited? It was, it was Chris Delconi. Boy, he loved it too. Yeah, he was pumped. We were standing right next to him when that happened and he was pretty fired up. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give Darius an A. Um, I'm going to give Kyle a B plus he only had 11 carries and I didn't see him a lot late. So maybe they were just trying to go with, you know, the hammer Anderson towards the end. Um, but you know, a couple times there, it's not all his fault. Obviously we talked about the offensive line struggles on the, on the goal line. Um, but I, I can't really give him an A for not, not punching a couple of those in. And then, uh, Shaywo had one carry for zero yards. So I can't, I mean, I'm going to give him an incomplete. Um, I, I feel like they, they're, his role in the offense is really limited right now. I mean, I think he's got 40 carries on the whole season right now. So he's got some value. I think they're still struggling to kind of find his role in this offense. So I can't really give him a grade. And then Kennedy Snell, I don't think, got a carry last night. And the only other person running the ball was uh, was uh, Kenny. And Kenny ended up with, I think, 40 yards. So other than if it wasn't for his sacks, he had, would have had closer to 70 yards rushing. So Overall, they had 177 yards. So as a unit, I'll give them a B, B plus because their yards per carry average is like 3.6. But they grounded out, grinded it out against a really physical defense. Um, so it, overall, it's a good performance. If you can get that performance every week, you're going to be just fine. What'd you think of Shea catching the ball out of the backfield on the throwback? Or Turpin throwing the ball again? That was pretty sweet. It was very sweet, but man, if was that Puna Ford that jumped up for it, uh, the defensive tackle? It was number 90. No, it was, I think it was I number can't 90. Remember the guy's name. It was the defensive end. Whoever it was, okay, whoever it was, I think he's about six foot. If he was about six two, that would have been a knockdown pass. It was very close. Yeah, but he was close. So close. But Shaywell made the play, and uh, Terp just got just enough on it. And, I, hey, I, once again, that's another thing we kind of criticized last week. Everybody knows what he's going to do. Well, what what did they do? They they mix it up a little bit. I'm not saying they listen to our podcast for for ideas, but it is pretty interesting. That they they should. They're, uh, I will say <laughs> they're I mixing think, it up a little bit. I think, I think Terp might have better uh, touch on the ball than Kenny. Yeah. He's 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 two he's two <laughs> for two on that's the year. That's going to be pulled out of context and quoted. I'm just kidding, of course. Good gosh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Don't go on the. Why don't we just let Turpin? Every time Turpin throws it, we get a first down. Makes Why don't we just let me, him throw man. it every time? Come on. Science doesn't lie. 
Science doesn't lie. I remember, let's just go totally off topic here. I remember years ago listening to the ticket, and Norm said something about how when Emmett gets 20 carries, we always win. And somebody called in and said, why don't we just give Emmett the ball first Sounds 20 like plays and we'll win. From around here. I th- oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he was kind of one from Gun Barrel City, Texas. He was uh, not of sound mind, as they would say. I uh, know. All right, let's flip back to the other side of the ball here. Defensive backs. Um, I know they weren't tested all that much, but it, when they were, they, they, we had some questions about that. Great our defensive backfield. Give us a rating there, Jeremy. I'm going to go. Uh, Shane only finished with, what was it, 254? Yeah, 21 of 44. Football, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of hard because a lot of those passes to little Jordan Humphrey, they were, they were caught on the linebackers. I know I saw a couple times Ty Summers was covering them. Traven Howard was covering them. He got loose from those guys. Uh, overall, I would give them a, a, a B to a B minus. I, I didn't like the way, and we've been saying it all year. We sit there, we we scratch our head, and, you know, do whatever out of frustration. It's so frustrating to to watch the defensive backs just play the receivers' hands and never ever look back for the football. There's a couple of times last night where I thought, man, if me and Jeremiah were talking about it, if they just turn their heads, they're they're catching the football. They're catching the football. Um, there was a there was a deep pass. Ranthony had his hand on. I thought he probably could have intercepted. Um, they did have some good pass breakups later in the game. Um, they, other than the uh, two vertical balls, I was real pleased with how they played uh, Texas's receivers. I thought, like you said earlier, Jeff, that Texas was going to go after Colin Johnson the whole night after after they got those couple big plays, little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson, those two big receivers. I thought they were going to be going with uh, be going after tech, uh, TCU's defensive backs a lot more uh, heavily on the vertical routes, but they never did. They never really did until late in the fourth quarter when they were just you know throwing up prayers. But uh, overall, I would say B to to a B minus. They just need to turn their heads a little bit sooner and maybe. And, and that's obviously how they're coached. They're they're coached to play the hands and the eyes instead of. I guess if they think they turn their head, they're going to lose a step. I'm I'm not real sure, but. Um, if, if they turn their heads sometimes, I, you know, I think they would have some more interceptions in the books right now, but solid game, solid game overall. Well, whatever they did this week, they're going to get tested to the, to the, to the tilt next Sunday, next Saturday in Norman. So I'll be interested to see how we hold up on that special teams. Daniel, you want to give us a grade on, on how our special teams did kicking game return game. Any thoughts on that? Uh, it was fine. Um, nothing outstanding. There weren't any you know, great wild punt returns or anything. There weren't any long field goals. Um, it was just a solid performance. Uh, Turpin had a couple of runs where he, you know, he took a good extra 30 yards off off the field position because that Dixon can punt it 75 yards. And um, so I, I I think it was fine. If I had to grade it, I'd, I'd give it a, a, you know, A minus to an A. I didn't, I don't, I can't think of anything uh, that I wasn't happy with. If y'all can i'll change my grade no i'll just say we hit all our extra points so that's good that's that's how i know we had an a yeah no issues on jonathan song's 100 percent on the year he is he's 100 percent on the year for field goals i won't complain about that for one second and then kind of rounding out our he did miss a pat we're not talking about that though (laughs) 
<laughs> let's let's round this out with a uh, play calling, Jeremy. What, how are you going to grade the play calling in this? Aware of the fact that we might not have put all our cards on the table. I thought it was fine. I, I like the the way Sonny got Kyle Hicks and Darius involved this week. I thought they did a great job trying to get Turpin involved early on. Uh, there was a couple of those plays that were open over the middle where Kenny just missed some of those receivers. Um, but overall, I, I, I like the way that they just went right after Texas. They they played against their strength and, and used their strength, with his, which is the size of the offensive line in the run game. And that's something that they were really good at doing last week against Iowa State. They just didn't continue to do it. I like the play call on the wild frog. When, when they first came out on fourth and one and lined up in the wild frog, I was just, I looked at Jeremiah and said, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to get stuffed. And it was a, it was a unique play. It was, it was something that I never expected them to do. And it worked out great. Uh, the goal line plays, I it, just running, running straight at them three times. I did, even though it's going to sound crazy, I wasn't bothered by that because that's something a lot of a lot of people were wanting to do this season instead of especially after last week when you turn the ball over inside the five yard line two times. You don't want to do anything to risk it. And I know Gary was probably telling Sonny, do don't call anything crazy, don't do any play action, don't do any slants over the middle. It it was very obvious to see that they were gonna put the the uh fate of the scoring opportunity in the hands of the running backs uh all night last night. And they didn't ask Kenny to do very much. They gave him some opportunities. Twenty-six throws uh, in that in that game condition is not a whole lot. I mean, it was really windy. If you're going to throw, you're you're either going to do it in the uh, second or fourth quarter, or the first and third quarter for them. But they uh, they had a good overall game plan. I was satisfied with it, so I'm going to give it a solid B plus. Yeah, when you go back and reflect on what we did in the red zone against Iowa State, this is this is what we all called for. This is what we we're all yelling at the television, and then they went out and did it. So um, I I can't I can't complain about it at all. I wish we could get a little more push, but hey, that's going to come with time, and we're we'll figure out if we can keep that if we can keep that up going forward. All right, we're going to switch gears here, but before we do, man, is there anything else from the Texas game that you guys want to rehash? Whether it is you know, another snake that you saw or, um, you know, you know, somebody streaking on the field that we didn't see on the TV. Anything that you guys saw from the Texas game that's worth uh, citing right now? I thought the Riff Ram video guest was brilliant. Reed Ryan. That's TCU right. TCU alum. It was perfect. It never crossed my mind. I mean, he just won the World Series, or his team did. And I mean, it was it was it was perfect. It never crossed my mind. I, I was like, I don't know who's going to be. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was good. I think they're doing a good job with that. I'll tell you what, man. Del Conti, Drew Martin, the people that put out that are the pub for our athletic department—they're geniuses. I, they do such a good job. They do such a good job. I liked the uniforms last night. I really liked the helmets. I liked the jersey. I like I liked the whole combo. I liked it. It did look good. That's that's one of my favorite helmets. I think that's really slick. Yeah, that's a sharp-looking helmet. I like that. I love that we we can count three games in less than a year that Darius Anderson has put it to, put it to bed with a with a long touchdown run. Texas last year on on the Thanksgiving weekend, obviously the Oklahoma State game, and then Texas for the second straight year. That's man, that's a great memory. Those those are the things that legends are made of. I thought that was fun. That the the crazy thing in the game that I thought was when they they had the uh, the pass over the middle. 
And all of a sudden they go to review it to see if it was past interference. And it was funny because <laughs> there was a couple guys sitting next to us in the press box beside me and Jeremiah. And I don't, we might come off as TCU homers and in, in, in some of these games that we've been up in those press box. So for so many years, people know who all of us are. We sit next to Billy Wessels and all this man, but man, they were just getting so upset that Texas wasn't getting the calls and this and that. But that was, that was the first time I've ever seen a, a, uh, I, it wasn't even a penalty on the field. They didn't throw a flag or anything, but Gary apparently tells them that's offensive pass interference. You need to review it. And because he didn't catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage for that play to be allowed. And it's just, that's just how freaking detail oriented coach Patterson is, is because like he, he sees that kind of stuff. No one up there is paying attention. All they see is a, okay, here's the throw over the middle. Yeah. It looks like a rub route, but I mean, they got away with it. He got, you know, 15 yards or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden you go to a review and they call it, they, they, they notice on the review. No, he, he wasn't behind the line of scrimmage. He was indeed one yard past the line of scrimmage. So yeah, that's an offensive pass interference. And you can just see Tom Herman on the on the TV replay. Everyone's watching it up there in the press box and him just shaking his head and just that's the first time I've ever seen them have a, a non call on the field, go review it to see if it was a penalty, and then call it an actual penalty because that that took away a first down and put him in like second and twenty nine or something like that. I can't remember how far it was, but it it put them in second and long and they had no way they were going to dig out of that hole. That's, that's cool. pretty funny, man. Everyone, that, that's pretty all good. the te- UT people around me were just screaming, Are you, is that even reviewable? Blah, 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 blah. Of course, they'd said that about every penalty against them because like, how dare someone call a penalty against Texas? So... Now, I did have a question for you, Jeremiah. Brian Davis, who covers uh, the Longhorns for the Austin American Statesman, multiple tweets he put out that there was some TCU fan in the press box that was up yelling and slamming his hands against the glass every time they got a big touchdown. And I just want to know, here, here in front of God and everybody, do you want to admit that that was not you? Not only was that not me, that was not happening. <laughs> there, there, was, there were no TCU fans in the press box yelling. That's what I, Did you – did you see those yeah, tweets I, I sent you? I saw you, you sent that. But I'll tell you right now, if that happened in there, Mark Cohen and anybody else that works there would escort those guys out. That's not allowed. Now, uh, Billy Wessels is a big six foot seven guy that sits next to me that works for our our rival, Purple Menace. But he's a great guy. He's funny. He's always cracking jokes throughout the the game. He's always got these little games going. Well, he predict. I think he predicted who the uh, the Riff Ram video was correctly. And he jumps up and starts doing this like dance up there, and so that's the only thing that I can even imagine got mis- mistaken for that. Uh, but nobody's pounding on the window in the press box. I can assure you of that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw that tweet mid game, and I sent that to you, and I said, uh, "Are you just going to go ahead and own up to this now?" Because I, I want to know couldn't... what this Brian Davis guy looks like. Because I'm going to see if it was the dude sitting next to us, the one that was I'll... complaining about Texas calls all night. All right, I'll uh when I get off this uh, podcast here, I'll send you the tweet that I sent to Jeremiah. So it's it's pretty funny. You'll get a pretty good look. I mean, there at what are it looks tweets like, that so. are right around the press box that I guess could be mistaken for the press box, but uh, yeah, it's, that definitely was not happening in the press box. Yeah, if you're in a suite, you're not in a, in one of those seats watching the game. You're just sitting in the in the air conditioned luxury watching it on television. So well, there's no I'll, way I'll that tell you this: it, it, yeah, you're so. It's never happened like. 
the story Jeremiah yeah. told me about the SMU uh, press box a couple weeks ago or whatever it was when the drunk fan was roaming through there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he said, I got I gave a million dollars to this place. Okay, so I know where this guy was sitting, this Brian Davis guy. I know where he was sitting. He was sitting way away from us. He was sitting down, uh, golly, Jeremiah, you'd probably be the only one that knows this, where the kind of where the lemonade and the tea set up down there at that end. So he's probably yeah. sitting behind the 360 kids, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, so probably the TCU school's writers, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but even then they weren't cheering no. and jumping up and down and banging the glass. No one cheers in there. Period. Yeah, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's flip gears here. Let's let's keep moving. Really quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. What is wrong with the University of Texas? I mean, have, they've just been on one big extended beer belch since the moment Colt McCoy got hurt. And I think we all joked that if you took uh, uh, Chad Morris and would have hired him in, in 2011, he could have he won 10 games three or four times. How in the world are they not able to have a functional offensive line and, and, and a quarterback that can throw the ball and a running back that can, that can get some yardage? What in the world is wrong with this program, well, I, I think it's a couple of things. I, I I think there's been some obviously some bad evaluations on the previous uh, the previous coaching staff that was there. I think you've got uh, they lost a lot of guys. You know, uh, um, Tom Herman came in and I think he ran a few guys off. Uh, they're already thin. I'm not making excuses for them, but they're playing some guys on that offensive line right now that couldn't play for any other Big Twelve team except for maybe Baylor. Um, there you go, Daniel. I'll throw that one in there for you. Um, so right, <laughs> right now I'm looking at, you know, I feel like they've, they really don't have a lot of weapons at running back. Um, their quarterback situation is, is I think Ellinger is going to be the guy. Um, Bouchelle's just a guy and behind that offensive line, he's just a guy that's going to struggle every game, you know? So the defense is there. And, I, and I, the thing about that team is those are all juniors. That whole team is full of juniors. A couple of those guys might go to the NFL, but that defense, for the most part, is going to be back next year, and they're going to be really good. Um, but, yeah, that they're, I just don't know. They're, it might take another year or two of recruiting. Uh, to, that's, the, that's the thing, though. They've got enough talent on that team that they should be winning seven or eight games at least you know, this year. But they they seem to be pretty banged up on the offensive line, and as we all know, if you can't play in the trenches, you're not going to win a lot of games. I know they've had some attrition, but I just remember Charlie Strong closing with two top ten classes after the fourteen season well, and after the fifteen season. That, 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 that they, we took five defensive tackles; I, those guys are all gone, and those are all. I know. Those guys are gone, and then they picked up. Was it four or five guys from the Baylor free agents when Bryles got fired? I mean, I, I mean, I know we got Brandon Bowen and they got uh, Camp, the, uh, the, they got Patrick the guy that went to Auburn. Yeah, they got they the got the big guy Duvernay. They got Patrick Hudson. Yeah, yeah, they got Duvernay. They got Duvernay's brother. They got they got players. I do not know how they have not been able to put twenty two functional guys on the field. That is is just beyond me because it, it, it's a joke now. But for four, five years, we've said, you know, Texas is close. They didn't get a win, but it looks like they got a quarterback, and it looks like they got their new running back. And it's just been, you know, cycle after cycle of, this, of the exact same song. I mean, 
You know, <clears throat> here's the thing. What are they? They're four and five now. Is that their record? Yes. Four and five. Okay. So if you look at their, look at their schedule this year and go back to the games they've lost, they lost a close one to USC. Mm-hmm. They lost a close one to Oklahoma. Okay. It was, what, lost a close what, one to Oklahoma State. Lost a close one to Oklahoma State. They, who else have they lost to? They, 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 they lost, lost to Maryland they, by, lost 10 by 10 points. Yeah, by 10 points. Was it a 10-point game? Yes. Um, and then I can't – who else? They, they they beat Iowa State. I can't remember mm-hmm. who their other loss was <laughs> to. Yeah. Oh, TCU, duh. Yeah, that okay. game was yesterday. So, so TCU was their biggest loss of the season. So if you if you look at their if you look at their schedule and, and the results of their game, they're right there. I mean this this is so reminiscent of of how things were for TCU back in 2013, where they were, you know, they were four and eight, but man, they lost what five games by a total of eleven points or something stupid like that. They're real close. They're within they're within a score of a lot of those games. I'm I'm gonna say they're like Jeremiah had mentioned. Their whole team is basically juniors, and they'll have a ton of people coming back. They're struggling on offense right now. I think Ellinger's better than Bouchel, um, even though he's a true freshman. I think he's better. I think he's going to be the starter. Once he's fully healthy, I think he'll be the starter for the rest of his career. Um, they're young at running back. The The offensive line is atrocious right now. They've got basically two starters on there right now. They lost their best offensive lineman early in the year. They're young at receiver. I mean, they're they're very young. It's tough to it's tough to move the ball when you're putting out a team that's just freshmen and sophomores. They don't have a, a ton of juniors on that team on offense. So I could see why they're struggling on offense, and I could see why they're doing so freaking good on defense because they're they're so experienced on defense with a bunch of uh, redshirt sophomores and juniors. This team, I think, with a year under Herman's system. We'll be much better next year. Now we say that every year. We, we, all of us, were saying how good Texas could be this year. I think Jeff even thought they were going to beat USC, and me and Jeremiah were both predicting nine and three or eight and four. I said, I said eight they and four. They should have beat and, USC. Yeah, yeah, and I said nine and three. So we were all kind of anticipating. Now they've had horrible, horrible bad luck this year with the injuries. Okay, they and and having to pay, having to play youth. Uh, Chris Warren, where the heck is he? Where's Kyle Porter? I mean, good grief. I feel sorry. For, I, I really don't feel sorry for Kyle Porter. He had a choice to go where he is, but he's a glorified fullback now for Texas. And Yes, he is. Thank goodness for TCU fans that you guys get to watch Darius Anderson instead of Kyle Porter. Uh, I mean, that, you talk about the talk about the guys you, you – like Gary always says, it's not the ones that, that you worry about that, that you don't get. It's the, wor- the ones you worry about that you do get. Or is that mix in my reverse? I can't remember. Anyway, well, if you reverse Dar- it, Darius, you like Darius Anderson is the better one of the uh, of that bunch. So they they got the better end of that deal. But yeah, I think Texas is just they're just having a a bad luck season. But the ingredients are there. They've got all that five four star talent. They've got the number two recruiting class right now in the country. Um, but the thing I've always kind of said in in I have a few people that believe me, and I have a few people that don't believe me. When they recruit five- and four-star talent, they're telling these kids, you'll have a chance to come in and compete right away and play right away. Okay? You can't do that every year because every year you're making the same promises to kids, and then you have to play them as true freshmen when they're not ready because guess what? You promised all this playing time to get them there. 
And that's why even when Charlie Strong and even at the end of Mac Brown's career at Texas, their team has always been young. This is the old this is the oldest team I've seen them filled in years because every year it's about winning that winning the games in uh, in February, being being the recruiting kings. That's that's what they care about. They they care so much about the the the, the five and four star talent from the coaches all the way down to the fans. That's that's where their focus is, and and that's what's been wrong with that program for so long. Just recruiting who all these these uh, recruits are highly regarded as five and four star players. That's the difference between TCU and Texas. They don't give a care. They're going to recruit the same kids Texas recruits because obviously they're they're talented kids. But if Gary has a, a chance to go after a, a, a kid where he feels that he can make a difference at his program, he's not going to give a care if he's a two- or four-star player, period. And that's the difference. And he doesn't promise this early playing time. He, he said it best the other day, and we've said it all along. TCU tells these kids what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And I think that's what Texas has been telling these recruits for the last several years. And that's another problem that's because you have so many guys that have been promised these – great promises to come to Texas. And now it's, it's just really just trans transitioned onto the football field and man, it's Speed, horrible. Baby. Just, they don't have a good <laughs> product. <laughs> that's great. Well, the, you know, that's negative recruiting that you're doing right there by pointing that out. But I, I guess I just wanted to say this, when you look at the way things settle down here, we lost to Jay Johnson and we picked up Derek Kindred. We won that one. We lost Kyle Porter, and we got Darius Anderson. I think we won that as well. So I say uh, let's just keep doing what we're doing, and they keep doing what they're doing. All right, let's flip. That's right. Let's flip gears here. We have a game this Saturday that is going to be uh, for all the marbles, potentially for all the marbles round one, because we have no clue how this is going to shake out. But the Frogs are traveling to Norman. They're playing a night game on National Fox. This is as big a stage as we can get. Is Gus, um, playing Gus calling it? It's Gus and Joel Klatt. Yep. It, man. Joel Klatt. Go, go, I can't wait to hear <laughs> Joel Klatt. That's right. I can't wait to hear Turpin break one for 82 yards and listen to Ju- the, the, the Gus Johnson's call. So It'll probably include Oh, it's going to be so wow. good. So obviously this – Yeah. Wow, 82 yards. Jeremiah has some impersonations. Go ahead. <laughs> Who are you talking about? You. <laughs> Quit you surfing. The, you're just like Dan McDowell. He, you're surfing the internet while we're talking. <laughs> you're, you're, come on. Give us some impersonations. I don't know. I, I don't do a Gus Johnson impersonation. That's you. You were doing it the other night, last night in the press box. Or was that Bill? Boykin! Boykin! <laughs> It's not. It's not good. It's not a good. It's not a good. You know what? You know what? You're right. That's a really bad impersonation, actually. Let's uh. Let's let's look at this game. That was good. By golly. (laughs) That was. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) I'm just hosing you. We're going to Norman. Obviously, the Sooners beat the the Cowboys in Bedlam in in what was a heck of a game. Uh, I got I got tired of listening to it be mocked. That was an amazing football game to watch. But the Sooners survived, and now we bet for the second time in a row, we're going to Norman in November with both teams with one loss, and in some ways both control their own destiny to get to the Big 12 title game and get to the college football playoff. There's no title game in 15, but it's almost an identical scenario. 
I don't even know where to begin with this. Baker Mayfield is on fire. You hate him, but if he was our quarterback, we would absolutely love him. Lincoln Riley has obviously been able to succeed as a first-year coach. I know it stoops his guys, but he got out of the way, and he has, he has kind of let the horses loose. They are putting up some points. But the upside is Mike Stoops is still their defensive coordinator. <laughs> Jeremy, what's it going to take for the Frogs to get a win in Norman? The offense is going to have to score. I mean, they're going to have to take the opportunities when they're giving them. Um, they they can't uh, – defense is going to do great. I think the defense is, is going to hold their own. The defense is going to have to play the best football they've played all year. And, and when I say that, I mean, if they if they can hold if, – golly, I'm trying to think of how to put this. I think TCU's defense is going to have to hold OU to 24 points in order for the Frogs to win. I, Whoa. I, I don't know. I don't know if TCU can score even as bad as Oklahoma's defense is. I'm not convinced they can score more than 30 on them. It, it's it's a, going to be a tough environment. Yeah, they're battle tested. They've played in these type of situations before. Uh, and it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rowdy crowd. It's a night game. It, it, it's, number five versus number eight. I mean, it's going to be, who's going to, who's going to slide over to the driver's seat. Who's going to be riding shotgun. That's going to be answered, um, by 10 30 Saturday night. I mean, it's, it's going it, to, it's for all the marbles right now. I mean, if you win, you're basically taking a path to the big 12 championship. If they, you know, the, cause Oklahoma doesn't have a tough schedule to finish it out. TCU's got to go on the road to Texas tech and Lubbock but they finished with Baylor. So the schedule after these two meet is not very tough for either one of them. Um, but man, they just, they just got to score points. They just got to, they've got to, to run the football. Oklahoma susceptible to, to giving up some big plays on the ground, uh, that justice Hill rushed for golly, what almost 250 yards. We two thirty somewhere around there yesterday. Um, so they've got some, they've got some major, uh, holes in their defense. <laughs> Number seven, uh, Jordan Thomas for them. He's he's the guy I think they need to attack. He's the weak link on that defense when it comes to passing the football. I think they need to attack him, and I think they just need to do what they've been doing all year long: use the run to set up the pass. Don't ask too much of Kenny in this ball game. Ask him to you know, if if he can get away with throwing the football just twenty five times, and TCU can still move the football. That's going to be beautiful. Keep keep their offense on the field. Uh, keep the defense rested on the sideline because it's going to be a long night for them because Baker Mayfield's so good at running that offense. He's he's going to be the most mobile quarterback they've faced this year. He's one of those guys where you think you got him sacked and then all of a sudden he's breaking free and he's keeping his eyes downfield and launching the football 50 yards for a touchdown. That's that's the kind of player you have to defend against. And we're going to hear all the stories this week, how Baker Mayfield really wanted to go to TCU and they never, never gave, oh him, the, my never gave him the chance and this and that. So there's going to be that storyline and how Gary Patterson lied to him about offering him and this and that it's, it, there's going to be a lot of drama around this game and it's going to be an exciting game. I can't wait to get up there and watch this thing. And it's, it might be a long night for me afterward. Oh, well, I mean, I'm still going to be in a great environment. I can't wait for it. Just a note here, Jordan Thomas left the game, left Bedlam uh, late in the fourth quarter with an injury. 
And so we don't have anything late. Uh, I can't find the latest update on that, but he was banged up and it, it was obviously serious. And then also Will Johnson, who is also a starting D back for Oklahoma is, is out for the first half. Cause he got tagged with a targeting call late in that game on the last drive that extended it, that they, that, that Mason uh, Rudolph ended up throwing a fourth down pass away that they didn't complete on. So they've got two DBs, one that's banged up and one that'll be sitting out the first half. So man, we need to take advantage of that early. So, I know people smarter than I am will know what to do with that. But that, those are a couple of things to keep an eye on for this game going forward in Norman. Jeremiah, what you The battle I want to see is Matt Boson versus Alex Brown. Because Brown is one of the biggest offensive linemen in the country. And Boson's one of the fastest yeah. defensive ends. So I'm looking forward to that matchup for sure. I think so too. Jeremiah, you got any thoughts on, uh, on how we're going to match up against Oklahoma? Yeah, you know, I think there, there's points there to be scored. And as, as conservative as I think uh, TCU played this week, um, I think it's going to be the opposite next week. They do really seem to play – now take out Iowa State game from this equation, but they do seem to really bring their own energy uh, on the road in these big games, and they always play Oklahoma tough in Norman. And uh, I'm going to actually go ahead, and it's early in the week, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out my prediction for the week. Uh, yes, he's going to win this game, thirty-four, thirty-one. Nah, I love it. I agree completely. I, I think it's going to be OU's going to score points, but TCU's going to get enough stops. TCU's going to be able to run the ball on them, and I think they can control the clock that way. And I, I think this is the game where they finally get over the OU hump in Norman. You know that it's been an average of four point two different or four point twos. 4.2 points has been the point differentiation in the Tech TCU OU game since we joined the Big 12. This is always a shootout. This almost always comes down to the last play. So it is going to be uh, it's going to be a barn burner. Daniel, you want to get on the record here? What are our, on, on on predictions? What are we going to be able to do in, in against? The I have no idea how this is going to play out, um, because I'm not sure. Like. Um, well, the Iowa State game, wasn't expecting that. Um, I was expecting a slightly more offense uh, with the Texas game. And you're going to have to have a ton of it in order to keep up with Oklahoma's offense. And then I thought the same thing with Oklahoma State, but we pulled that one off. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I want to say TCU wins. It'd probably be close, but... I, you know what? I like Jeremiah's prediction. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just copy that one because um, I didn't do my homework. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds about right. Uh, you know, just kind of thinking through everything because uh, it, it will take a lot of a defensive effort to slow down Oklahoma enough um, to keep us in the game. So, and I think we can do it. And I hope we knock Mayfield on his ass. There you go. I hope so too. Jeremy, you want to get on the record here with a, a prediction? I don't have a prediction yet. I've need, I need to do my okay. homework more. Okay. Um, I think we've all been pretty close on predictions this year, except for your 44 to 10 prediction last week. We've all been. Uh, that's true. But who, who predicted we would beat Oklahoma State? All of us. I didn't. I didn't. No, I was the only one. I was the only one that predicted we would beat Oklahoma State, and I was off by like three points. 
No, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to win this one uh, 43-33. I think the Frogs are going to be able to win. I think we're going to pull it out. So I'm gonna, I, I feel good about that. I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere in the 27 to 21 range or 31 to 21 range, and I don't know who's going to win the game yet. That's where I'm at. I think I saw where Oklahoma, gotcha. like some early lines were coming out, that Oklahoma's favored by six and a half and seven and a half points. That That's early. Yeah, I think we're a touchdown. Yeah, they're a touchdown favorite. They're a touchdown favorite. So, All right, we're going to flip over to some questions here from listeners. So, uh, Jeremy, Jeremiah, be on your toes here. Please feel free to answer as much or as little as you want or plead the fifth, or say this story is developing. So I'm going to go through this and get the good ones on the table here. Uh, Adarius Washington, are we on commitment watch? Are we on commitment flip watch? Uh, somebody just put a crystal ball in for Adarius Washington. Well, give us the latest on his recruitment. Jeremy, you want to take this or you want me to? Well, we had heard some stuff uh, coming into the week, this weekend, that to be on the lookout for a potential flip. Um, and Adarius from what we could tell, did not show up to the game. If anybody saw him, let me know, but we didn't see him and uh, didn't really get a chance to talk to the the folks that I wanted to talk to about him. Uh, I plan on doing that tomorrow. Um, I know I saw uh, SEC Country. We put him out there, or we put out there with the crystal ball, at least I did, and then next thing you know, SEC Country's got an interview with him saying, I don't know where this stuff is coming from, and I'm 100% solid to LSU. So there's that, but I don't believe it's over. And I still think TCU has a very good uh, chance of getting our Darius Washington. Um, I I was very interesting that he he didn't seem to be at the game. So if he came, he was in hiding. So that's kind of where we are on that right now. I feel like SEC country is run by the SEC office. Those guys (laughs) are the biggest homers who who – I feel like that they that like that guy gets his money from Coach O. Like he pays him under the table. That is that is insane. I, I'm saying that as hyperbole in case this gets quoted to uh, Greg Sankey. But man, those guys are total homers. They are like part of the story, not just getting the story. It's ridiculous. Very, it's very, ridiculous. very much linked to LSU. I mean, I'm not saying the school, you yeah. know, the, the the website. I'm saying uh, the person writing for that site. I would I would go as far as say they probably are LSU fans. Yes. They absolutely are. And I know not everybody that works for SEC countries like that. Kyle Tucker covers Kentucky. He's a great guy. Jason Kersey that now writes for uh, the the Athletic. He used to cover Arkansas. Great guy. Great reporter. But some of these guys, man, oh, my gosh. It's just – I mean, put your pom-poms away, my friend. All right. We obviously had a decommitment this last week. Jordan Allen, somebody that we were really excited about, coming from a JC player from the West Coast. He committed, committed right away after his official visit, but now he has decommitted after much prayer and reflection. Guys, where are we at on any backstory on this, and are we still in the race? I think they're still in the race, but it was one of those things where he probably committed a little bit sooner than what he should have. I don't. He is a December grad, so obviously he wanted to make a decision fairly quickly. But I don't, I don't know if he anticipated getting as much attention as he's getting now. Um, he's starting to get more and more attention from the West Coast schools, and um, maybe that's something he wants to do is stay a little closer to home. I know it was kind of funny because when I interviewed him uh, early on, he said he was going to take all his visits, and then he went to TCU and immediately committed. 
and it really didn't give him a chance to go out and see some of these other programs. I think he might've committed uh, just because that's the only place he really saw. So I think TCU still in it, but he's obviously wanting to kind of go out and see what else is out there for him as far as, and what fits his needs best and, and uh, you know, what his family thinks is best for him. I don't think it had anything to do. The timing probably leads people to believe that since TCU lost to Iowa state, he probably wanted to decommit then, but that, uh, that didn't have nothing to do with it from the people I talked to. They just said that he wanted to look around and, and venture off and make sure he was, uh, you know, given his recruiting the hundred percent effort it deserves. Gotcha. All right, so the Gators have fired their coach, and it looks like at, at the time of this recording Sunday night, there's rumors that someone is going to be fired. It's not official. I haven't uh, checked here since we got on, but the, uh, obviously Ford is looking for a coach. Aggies are probably likely to be looking for a coach, if not this week, when they get their annual beatdown by LSU. It'll be that week. Uh, Chase and Chapman, are we in the hunt for either of these guys still? I, I mean, I, we're going to have continual questions about Jamar Chase, but does this situation, if you heard in the last week, with the firing of Jim McElwain, is Chase going to be back on the market soon in terms of opening up his recruitment? And if someone gets fired, do we double back down on trying to get Chapman? I don't see Chapman going anywhere. I, I think he's an Aggie through and through, uh, even if someone gets fired. I, I think yeah. Chap, Chapman's that's that's a done deal. Um, Jeremy, so he's uh, he's – He's in it for Reveille and not for the swag yeah, copter. He's, he's Aggie from birth, so that's not changing. Yeah. Got you. Okay. And Jamar Chase, do you feel like there's anything new in the last week? Because we're going to get asked that question every week until uh, signing day. He's going to make an official visit. He just hasn't scheduled it yet. He's been soft with that Florida commit basically just the way he was when he committed to Kansas. I mean, he, he's committed, but he's still going to look at and listen to others. And I know TCU still recruiting him. So it, yeah, it, it's going to be an open recruitment until he signs his paper. So it, trust me, the second we find out what weekend he's going to be visiting, we're not going to keep it quiet. We're going to put it out there. I mean, the, the, the kid's been talking, talking openly, openly about, making visits to other programs. So as soon as we find out when he's going to be coming in, we'll let everyone hey, know. Okay. Jeff, can Got I throw word. something out there real quick? You haven't asked. Go for it, boss. Go for yet, it. But I just want to give some of the guys that maybe don't know how our game days go um, a little breakdown. Um, you know, we see the recruits before the game. We're not allowed to interview those recruits on the field. Um, we're not really even allowed to really too much interact with them. We might can say hi, but there's no – in-depth conversations going on or anything like that. We definitely can't interview them. We can't interview them while they're on campus. And um, after the game is over, we after we go to the press conference, we come back to the, the press box. And we're there, Jeremy, what, sometimes two hours um, writing our article? Sometimes yeah. two and a half so hours. Yeah. I know people wanted to know last night immediately, you know, we got this big recruiting weekend. We haven't heard anything. Guys, We tr trust me, we're, we're trying to reach these guys. Um, one of the things is uh, a lot of those 2019 guys that were supposed to be there didn't show up. And there were a lot of kids down there. I, I, there's probably 100-plus recruits. Plus, they had 20-plus baseball recruits. They had a ton of basketball recruits. There were so many kids down there for Jeremy and I to try to wade through. And to see what we could see, you know, we could only see what the guys we could see. And so it was very, it's very difficult. And uh, after the game, it's after midnight. By the time we get out of there, there's no way we're reaching out to recruits that late at night. And uh, 
So as soon as we can get follow-ups with these guys, we will. I know sometimes it feels like we maybe don't get the responses. I will say it is harder these days than it used to be to get kids to respond just because they have their own instant news media right at their fingertips with Twitter. And so it's, you know, we're fighting an uphill battle sometimes to get these kids uh, on record. But that is something we are still currently working on. Gotcha. And I I do want to go just go ahead and say, hey, uh, when people give you a hard time about, uh, hey, where's this recruiting content on a Friday, on a on game night? Just chill out, dude. Just wait. They're writing a good story for us. Don't worry about it. Uh, I, I will say this, too. Uh, another thing, when you see when you see 30, 40, 50 guys on the sideline for crying out loud, that 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 does not mean there's 50 recruits at TCU's heavily recruiting. Okay. Some of those, some of those kids down there are just, Hey, yeah, come out to our game. We don't mind giving you some tickets. That's, they're not heavily on TCU's recruiting board. Okay. The day they're going to sign a five foot five, 130 pound white kid (laughs) walking by, I want to see him running as a, as a slot receiver for TCU. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's not a, I've I've gotten it before from some of the guys like, man, how can y'all not figure out who all is there? There was 50 kids down there. Not every single one of them are, are, are top rated recruits. And, and the guys that we, we did see, we obviously tweeted them out and I'll get the list together and, and, and put out the guys that we did see. But like Jeremiah had already mentioned, we didn't see the Marcel Brooks and the Theo Weeses and, and Marquez Beeson's. We didn't see those kids uh, down on the field before the game. And, um, that's not to say that they didn't Marcel Brooks, when he gets to the games, he's usually getting there right at kickoff okay. every time. That's, that's what everyone tells me. So there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, well, how come you didn't mention this kid? I saw him there. Well, because we didn't see him period. You know, we're not, we're not going to see every single kid. So just, uh, keep that in mind as well. But there were some, there were some talented kids there. We saw Eddie Smith. We saw, Darius Davis, O'Shawn Mathis. I, I, I saw someone posted about O'Shawn Mathis, uh, seeing him, and and he's he's a big kid. I mean, he he passes the eyeball test, and his his uh, teammate from Manor, his name is Prince. I just call him Prince, and that's what they call him up there at TCU. It's just Prince. Anyone that could pronounce that kid's last name, I'll give you some money because he's 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 got one of those real crazy last names. But he plays at Manor. He's a 2020 prospect. Mm. Okay, so he's in in. Jeremiah, he's he's what he's almost as big as Oshan, right? He looks like he might actually weigh more than Oshan. They're about this. He's about six four. Yeah, he's a big big kid. Cool. I'll tell you the kid right now that everyone was wondering who in the heck it was was from Little Wellington, Texas. Trevor Roberson has a TCU offer, twenty nineteen kid. Yes, and he is humongous. I mean that kid. He is every bit of six nine, six ten. He he is just he is listed at six eleven, three forty. I would guarantee that kid's at least six ten, six eleven. I mean he's he was he is a he towered over everyone down there. What everyone? What position does he play? What would he play at college? He's a he's a he's a tackle. Okay, that's a big boy. That's all I know. 
Ooh, I saw I saw some pictures of him online. That is a huge kid. All right, let's keep moving here through the questions. Uh, Micah Baskerville was on campus as well from uh, Shreveport Evangel Christian Academy. Any any update on him? Are you guys going to reach out to him this week? Yeah, we'll, I mean we'll reach out to him. That that was that's another interesting thing, you know, uh, with our Darius. You know, our, he and our Darius are very good friends, and they're very good friends with with Justin and. Uh, a lot of the other Louisiana guys. So it's very interesting. I will say this one more time. Our Darius may have been there, but we didn't see him and we definitely didn't reach him. And uh, so I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's very interesting that Micah was there and we didn't see our Darius. So um, and the whole thing is interesting. I'm still waiting to see. I mean, I'm not even sure TCU's formally offered uh, Micah yet. Um, when that whole thing with Micah uh, originally had, they, we had him listed at six, four, and then he goes in and gets measured at six two. And then I, I'm telling you, if you stand next to the guy, he might be six foot. And that's my question: is is he the linebacker that TCU is looking for? Um, is he fast enough to play linebacker in TCU's defense? I don't know that. I've watched his film, and I think he's a good player. But I don't know if he fits what they're looking for, and that may be what they're still evaluating. So he's been up there. For a guy that's committed to LSU, he's been up there, what, Jeremy, two or three times during this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Wow, that's good to know. That is good to know. And then the last question here, what do you have on injury updates going forward? Traven Howard, Patrick Morris, uh, you know, is Wilson going to be able to play this week? Where do you, where, what do you guys know in terms of moving forward on injury updates? Well, I know he said after the game that Patrick Morris was still questionable. Um I don't know about Traven Howard. I guess I missed it. I mean, I, that's the crazy thing that we don't – toward the end of a game, we're already down on the field. We've got four minutes, so we miss a lot of the stuff that the people at home watching on TV or the people in the stands are noticing on the sidelines. So that Traven Howard is something I'll have to figure – we'll have to ask around and figure out. Montrell Wilson should be back. I was told a week and a half ago he would be out two weeks, so this – pretty much sets up the timeline for him to be back uh so the biggest the biggest need right now for them is is uh getting patrick back on the line not that austin hasn't done a good job uh filling in for him but i think if you have a healthy patrick morris and you can slide austin over to guard it it takes away you know probably their 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 weakest spot on the line right now which is at left guard so uh that's the big question getting Patrick Morris back would, would help this this offensive line tremendously. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Hopefully that'll happen this week. That because we're gonna have to run the ball against Oklahoma and hopefully he can get back. All right, very So what I miss on Trav what I miss on Traven. Did I miss something on Traven? All right, I don't have anything other than there's a thread on the board that says what happened to Traven Howard. I saw him come limping off in the fourth quarter and he never came back. And then the thread that I posted a couple hours ago, numerous questions. Hey, what's going on with Traven Howard? Now I don't know if they saw the same thing or they just saw the post and then jumped over here and saw the question. So that's, that's well, if he's limping off in the fourth quarter and they're and they're already up, you know, seventeen to seven, and they rotated in Rico Evans quite a bit, and I think Sammy Douglas was even coming in quite a bit. There was probably no need for him to go out there. Um, they they do that quite a bit with with injuries like that. They're not gonna they're not gonna risk anything further. Uh, so it's if they didn't, ha- I'm not gonna say if they didn't have anyone that he wouldn't be out there, but. Uh, it's something we're going to have to ask about, probably ask about uh, by Monday or Tuesday to see what the latest is. Okay. 
Okay, that's good to know here. All right, I'm reading through that thread real quick here. Jer- Jeremiah says, I don't know anything about Howard, but GP said after the game, Montrell should be ready to go for this week. So I bet you're 100% right. Nobody nobody saw him. Uh, or no, nobody nobody has any news, but that just because he didn't go back in doesn't mean he's hurt. So we'll play it right. by here. All right, fellas. Well, we have hit over an hour at uh, for this podcast. Anything else you guys want to share on our way out the door? Yeah, I got one thing. As great as the victory that TCU got was, it was still a sad day on Saturday where Baylor won a game. That's it. (laughs) I thought for sure you had like a Dickens story written out there. (laughs) I was waiting for you to tell us to pause for a moment of silence. <laughs> to, to, to mourn you, we're gonna, we're going to light a candle for Kansas University. <laughs> what was the final score in that? Thirty-eight to nine or something. Oof. Yeah, they really. I mean, it. They're bad. They're so bad. They're they're so bad. Tell me, tell me if this shouldn't happen. Kansas should fire David Beatty and hire Mike Leach. I'd do that. Uh, I'd be. A, yeah, I'd love to have Leach back. I would love to have. Well, Leach would back. Leach do that? And how would you? If anyone's how would you like to be around? How would you like to be at Jones Stadium the day Kansas comes into town with Mike Leach as head, as their head coach? <laughs> oh, that's all I want. Oh. I, Man, he's gonna he's gonna have a protest on the steps of the administration building the night before, demanding his money back and the rejection of sovereign immunity in the state of Texas. He's gonna be all worked up about that. I'd love that. <laughs> that's that's the key to a Big Twelve network is just give Mike Leach, Leach his own show. I agree. I'd watch the Mike Leach network. I would watch the Mike Leach network. I, I would too. I want to see you guys ever watch that show on the History Channel, the the Curse of Oak Island. I want to see Leach talk about no. that. You're it's 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 high quality. You need to. I want to get Leach going on that. So. He talked about aliens one day. He did. He's talked about. And I do agree with his uh, playoff, his his playoff scenarios. Why but, can't we have a sixty fourteen playoff? I agree, man. I'm one time him. when he was at Tech, he, they had him on camera. He was experimenting killing fire ants with coffee. And like, aren't you supposed to be working? It was bizarre. Leech. That's Mike Leach. Leach is a, he's, a, he's among the best. He's probably the best interview that there is out there. I love that guy. Love that guy. Only college coach to never play football. Or only Division One coach to never play football. Mike Leach never played football. Little known fact. He was like a lawyer, wasn't he? Yep. Never played football. Little known fact. Yep. Oh, man. Well, we have come to the end of our show today, guys. We appreciate everybody listening to the Frogcast. It's uh, it's always good to spend time together after a big win over Texas. If you have not yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on Google Play. I don't can't tell you why, but when you rate us and when you give us a review, it really helps people find our show. So we would love for you to do that. If you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed or rated or reviewed us yet, please go do that right now. We are a proud member of Horn Frog Blitz. If you're not a subscriber, what in the world is 
wrong with you. Everything that we talk about with recruiting as well as injury reports and what people are talking about in terms of the frog community, it's all right there. TCU 24-7, we would love for you to join us. And as always, if you see us on social media, please share this. We've just really expanded our listenership during this season, obviously, and we'd love for more folks in the frog community to know more about us. So if you see us on Twitter, see us on Facebook, please take the time to like that and to share that. It goes a long way to getting the word out. So as always, for Daniel, for Jeremy and Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.